Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, and welcome to Art Star Scene Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. We are live for the first time since the lockdown with us at home, making this happen technically, doing the technical side of things. And also just joining us uh, is Mr. Tom Tenney. Hey, everybody. I'm running the board tonight. I'll also be- in his home, joining us, our mental health advisor, uh, <laughs> Lucas Tiamore. Hey, everybody. So we were just talking about the 7 o'clock cheer, that it happens a lot in my neighborhood, it happens a lot in Lucas's neighborhood, but it doesn't happen in Tom's neighborhood. Tom doesn't want to be the first one to do it. I totally understand that because, you know. I'll just be some lunatic out on my out on my balcony <laughs> just banging pots and pans. So, Talking yeah. about balconies and fire escapes, my sister just told me, she goes, I just had to chase a crow off the fire escape. I'm like, what are you talking about? So here's just to get everybody on board here. It's uh, a bad omen. Well, no, no. There, there's a, 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 blue, a, a robin's nest uh, outside on their balcony. And uh, they, they was, first there was one egg, and then there was two eggs, and then there's three eggs, and now there are two, three baby chicks. Aww. And so, like, they feel... Nancy and her husband feel responsible for these chicks because they're on, on her fire escape. Um, and so, so like I've never seen crows in the city before, but that's happening now. Um, and Lucas, if you could get more to camera so I can see you, that would be great. Awesome, yeah, because I could only see your eye. So, <laughs> so, and, and I remember that they they made a scarecrow. And I said, what's the scarecrow for? And they said, to scare the crows. There are literally <laughs> crows trying to get at these friggin' chicks on uh, on the on the fire escape. Oh, so the baby birds aren't the don't belong to the crow? No. Okay. No, the baby birds, they're robins. They're robins. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not it's not a it's not a nest of crows. Right. It's a nest of robins that, that the crows want to get to. Oh god. It's becoming a safe place to like nest your babies again because people like aren't so out and about. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yep. And I am I'm predicting that when this is over in about a year or two, we're going to have super rats. Oh, bear with me on this one. I'll give you the logic. So what's going on right now? is the rat population doesn't have access to the kind of food and resources that they used to have. They are resorting to cannibalism, and there are these rat gangs that are starting to form to fight over territory. And the stronger right rat gang is going to win, wins each time. So you're going to have, when this is over, what you're going to have is just the strongest rats. And then when we start having the same kind of habits we used to have, those strong rats are going to be breeding the way they used to. We're going to have an army of super rats. Yeah, that's looked forward to. Wait, wait, you've observed this? The, the rat gangs? I haven't, I haven't seen them in my neighborhood, oh, but is, I've, seen, uh, I've seen video. Oh, really? There's yeah. a storyteller, I forget his name, but there's a storyteller in New York City who has a very popular story about the rats during sort of a tragedy come together and um, they tie all their um, tails together and join and become a rat king. Um, and it's all the rats in New York City are fighting against us as one. And it's a terrifying story. God. And I hope I hope it doesn't come true. That's like uh, face, face Boy. <laughs> what, what you're describing is um, there is a book called, and I, I can't remember the name. It's called like After We're Gone or something like that. But it describes what happens 
like immediately following human extinction from the earth and like what happens to different cities and how fast they deteriorate and what actually happens in them. It's really, it's creepy. I haven't read the book, but I've read, I've read excerpts of it. It's weird. And that's what's that? I'm very curious to find out more about, you know, what, what positive impacts this is having on our environment with less cars on the road, uh, with, you know, with, with less of so much of things, uh, I'm sure we're probably going to have cleaner air. Well, I've heard it. I've heard in Africa, I've seen pictures of lions just lying on the road. Wow. Chilling. Yeah, they're chilling on the on the highway, basically. Uh, I'm not saying that we're going to have a significant change. It's going to be absolutely minuscule in the greater yeah, scheme. Yeah, I mean, of we're talking about two months versus 150 years of industrialization. Right, right. So yeah. I'm not I'm not talking about anything significant whatsoever. But I, I'm wondering if it's going to be measurable. What if the animals fought back because they have taken over our land now? <laughs> <laughs> what if the crows attack us? <laughs> that would be kind of cool, actually. I mean, it's dystopian enough as it is. I mean, sure, let's add some attacking crows to the mix. Why not? Yeah, we have murder hornets. We have that now. Thank you, world. Send the yeah. murder hornets. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Animals are terrifying. Have you ever have you ever uh, had any experience with? Uh, I bet you have, Face Boy. Uh, feral cats. Mm, oh yeah, me, yeah. Me. Oh, oh, you have Lucas, <laughs> really? Just yeah, kidding, but- I don't know you as well as Face Boy, so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they are terrifying. Terrifying. Not to me. Not to me. No. No, no not at all. Yeah. Because where I grew up, uh, there was a vacant lot. Um, right behind my building, and it was filled with feral cats. And uh, my parents always told me, don't go into that vacant lot. There's lots of broken glass. There are feral cats. It's very dangerous. I was there pretty much every day. Um, and I, I, I just went in very quietly, very cautiously. They were not, like, happy the first time I was there, second time, etc. But eventually they became comfortable with me there. And uh, and I, like, had this childhood where I was with feral cats for a, a great a great amount of time. I never got scratched. I never got bit. And like I said, they stopped being even acting any sort of aggressive towards me. They never came, you know, they, it wasn't ever, like, an affectionate thing. But I, I was I was accepted in the feral cat colony behind my building, and that was a very very cool part of my childhood. Well, that is, that is that is cool. I had feral cats living under my house, and when I lived in LA, and they were, I mean, you go near them, and they would just start screaming. Mm-hmm. You know. I also made friends with feral cats. I lived in Corona, um, Queens, and um, I would save the runs. I would like take the runs into my house because um, they just had no chance in that neighborhood. Right. Um, but it was really hard. You really had to kind of trick them. Um, I mean, I would feed all of them, but the you, the other ones were too smart to become house cats. But the runs were like never going to make it. They you you'd always see them dead in the neighborhood. It's really sad. You have a thing for the tinies. I know I have a I I I always I used to have a cult people called it but it was a not a cult it was a group where we would protect each other and it was called Team Tiny and it was the idea that all short people would just sort of protect each other and then we would not be so short. 
first time Lucas met my mother, the first thing she said was, she's so tiny. <laughs> and they, they just had a bond right away that, that continued. And, uh, and yesterday, <laughs> I was talking about uh, mom taking naps. And Lucas was like, yeah, I take a lot of naps. And Lucas said, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's our generation. Like, mom being <laughs> seven. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> But then I tried not, to blame it on Team Tiny, and you said that not everyone in Team Tiny takes naps. No, no. Speaking of age, we're going to be 55. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really crazy. Like, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I told the story um, yesterday of Reverend Jen and I going down to the Charlie Daniels Band. And seeing Taylor Swift perform, this is her first public performance ever. She was 11 years old, and, wow. uh, and she opened for Charlie Daniels. And uh, and I was like thinking back. I was like, someone was like, oh, "When was that?" And I was like, thinking "Like, God, that was like 2002. That was 18 years ago now. Mm-hmm. That was 18 fucking years ago. It's mm-hmm. imp- like, I mean, at the rate things are going, we're dude, we're gonna be dead." In like, <laughs> like a heartbeat. What are you doing to prepare for fifty-five? Ah, uh, nothing. I'm, oh man! I mean, it, honestly, the big celebration for me this year is Radio Free Brooklyn's fifth anniversary. That is a big thing. That's huge. Yeah. So can you see me? Yep. Okay. I've been you've I've been, been pumping. You've iron. been working, I've been working out. out. <laughs> okay. I have this whole plan of fit as fuck at 55, and I started it the the a month before I turned 54. Oh, okay. Because I knew this was not going to be easy. If I, I start knew, now, you know, if I start now, can I catch up? Do you think? By Thursday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if I work triple hard? No. I'm doing I'm doing a thousand push-ups a month. What? I'm not even joking. Yeah, 50 a day, five days a week. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and that's like just one of the things. Yeah, I was tired of being scared. I was tired of like, you know, I thought about it. I was like, my body is going to change. That's just a fact. Am I going to let time make the decision for how my body changes or am I going to take control of it? And so I decided to take control of it. And it's been really, really difficult. But I thought of like making a scam. Did you know that my dad was a was a uh, he was he had a PhD in organic chemistry and he worked for the army he worked for the government, um, uh, and so I was going to pretend like I found a formula that he had that he had came okay, up. Okay, but with. can I ask a question? Which yeah. which dad? Like, I, it's a valid question. Oh which right, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm confused about. I'm, it's the story's going down two routes. Mr. Hall. It, yes. Okay. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I thought oh. you said that on the radio. Before. No. Oh fuck! Well, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> but you always tell every one oh, of my, my secrets God. that I tell you, not to tell. It, no, it's not. It's not. Nobody knows what happened yet. Let's just keep going, shall we? Yes, let's keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't kill me. Sorry, I'm not laughing. But I'm I found you. a formula that my dad had come up with that 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 that's a pill 
that turns people into super soldiers. I was going to pretend like I didn't do hardly any work at all. That like that like if you do one push up, it's equal to ten push ups. So if you do ten push ups, it's equal to a hundred in your body. And and that and that. But at the time that he had formulated it, it was too expensive for the government to give it to soldiers. And then I found it when I was going through these papers and I made this formula because I see all these fucking things out there, these scams out there that people are making millions and billions of dollars off of Nutrisystem, uh, just all of these things that don't really work. The, these bodybuilding programs, these supplements that don't work, these diet pills that don't Yeah, we, work. like my therapists them. are part of the, this movement against that. It's like um, there's a movement against that that therapists and nutritionists have started because it's actually very harmful to the population to hear these like um, constant like messages in this advertising mm-hmm. and to think that like these things need to be sold to us and can only can be consumed and that we're somehow broken and so they have like this movement like health and at every size um, and sort of trying to like sort of encourage that everybody's built differently and Mm -hmm. shouldn't really we don't need something to change our body that's um like a chemical certainly not we and certainly not um a skinny tea even it's like very um you're not going to get kim kardashian's like butt from um having like um skinny tea it's ridiculous no (laughs) well that's true but there's but there's something to be said for healthy also you know and and you know not like, you know, Faceboy's talking about becoming a super soldier, and I'm worried about the permanent ass impression that is now <laughs> – the now permanent ass impression that's in my couch uh, <laughs> from not going out and sitting on my ass working and, you know, watching TV. I think- and, and I, I can't – I don't even – basically don't stand up in my apartment, which um, is bad. I mean, health at every size definitely – promotes um exercise it's just the idea that if you're living a healthy lifestyle and you're bigger than you want to be that doesn't necessarily make you unhealthy totally um and i think a lot of people are have the very negative messages right now in quarantine about how they feel like they have to come out of quarantine super sexy and like transformed um and you know, everybody's sort of competing on Facebook, at least for my age. Like, it's sort of like Quarantine's Got Talent of, like, who has a cooking show now and who has, like, an exercise show. And these people are not trained to do exercise shows, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, there is some ethics in being trained to, like, teach certain things because you're teaching people how to move their body. It's You, you can't just, like, all of a sudden be a personal trainer just because you're stuck at home. Yeah, yeah, agreed entirely. And also... What I've noticed is that these these uh, fake fucking things that don't work, they play on people trying to get into shape. They're like, you've been doing this for six months Terrible. and you haven't seen any changes. That happened to me. You know, I was I was like six months into it and I couldn't see any difference whatsoever. But I knew, I knew, I knew that this is just science. You know, if you if you stick with something and you increase what you're doing week after week after week, eventually it has to. Their changes have to happen. And for some people, the changes can happen in three months. For other people, like in my case, it took about eight months before I started seeing any kind of difference whatsoever. But I, but I, but I. You have body dysmorphia too, though. It's like. That's true. That's true. I might not have seen it. Yeah. And I mean, I think everybody is changing, but it's such a slow change that um, we don't see ourselves and then we give up. But um, I think other people do see it. 
But um, the reality is, is it took you eight months to really feel more confident when you were out. And that was what was really like a beautiful moment for you is that you had like started to feel really confident. And mm-hmm. I think we all deserve to feel confident in our skin. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Um, this is one of the things that we, we were taking some notes. So you are going back to Renfrew, which is an eating uh, yeah. disorder place. And you're, yeah. going on, you're going on pizza day. I know. Bring back some pizza day. And they're making us have two slices now and not just one. It's just like traumatic for me, but I'll deal with it. <laughs> um, tell the folks about Renfrew and that this is your third time in. And, you know, because it is important when you have a problem to seek help. Um, for me, I um, right now am like medically still doing okay, but my behavior is not fine. And so they, they sort of, my team wanted me to sort of nip it in the butt very quickly um, and wanted me to be in a better spot before I was able to go and join the workforce again, because I did just unfortunately lose my job from the pandemic. Um, I, my restaurant's not going to reopen. Um, and so um, they, I think I decided that, I needed help to be in a better spot for interviews because I was feeling really down about how I was going to explain a lot of my identities um, on the interview. And I think the reality is it's actually that I'm, my brain is jumbled because I'm not properly um, feeding myself right now. And I think yeah. sometimes right now there's a, there's, there's a lot of shame around getting help, but I think we all have to recognize that um, when we're not doing our best, getting help can actually sort of turn our whole lives around uh, on a different track. Yes, yes. You know, it's true what they are saying, uh, that, that prolonged stress does lead to people's true selves coming out. And I see that in you, Lucas. I see your kindness coming out. I see your care for others coming out. I see your self-care coming out. Tom, I'm not around you that much, but I do see in you that there is a, your work ethic is spot on. This station has been running 24 seven. Your kindness, you know, when I asked for your help to get this show this week, there was barely a hesitation at all. It was just, were you capable of doing it time-wise? Right away you were there for a friend that and I appreciate it so much. And uh, and in other people, I'm seeing things come out that I didn't think were going to be there that weren't that aren't so positive and and wonderful. Um, and uh, I mean, these are still people I love, people who I would be there for. But um, you know, it's it's really fascinating. Tom, have you noticed any of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've noticed. Yes, I have. Um, I've definitely noticed a kindness in in people. And more of an appreciation for people. I mean, even family, you know what I mean? I mean, you're supposed to, you know, appreciate your family, which I do all the time anyway, but I'm spending a lot more time with them, largely because we're all locked in together, you know, and so not together, but, um, you know, we have these family meetings over Zoom and whatnot. But I have to say to your second point that I've also noticed some things sort of coming out like frustration wise with me, too. Uh, for example, I was on a, um, I was on a zoom call that was like an art performance thing. And, uh, this was two, like two weeks ago, I guess. 
and uh, somebody was just started spouting these conspiracy theories, um, you know, about COVID-19 and about how Dr. Fauci had, you know, given, you know, bribed a lab $3 million in Wuhan to release it into the or whatever it was, you know, it was just horseshit. Mm -hmm. And I asked the host if she could unmute my mic and I just went off on this girl. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, look, I have, my mom is 85 years old. She is, she's one of the most vulnerable people. She's in total lockdown right now. And it's these kinds of lies that are putting her in more danger. So please stop, Mm -hmm. you know, and then she started to continue and conspiracy theories from Jerome Corsi and all these like known liars and conspiracy theorists. And I just had to, I just had to leave. But, um, that that was my my downstairs neighbor yesterday texted me and she was like, dude, you're on Reddit. <laughs> like, so apparently this thing is now getting circulated. Okay. Uh, you know, and it's like, no, it was not my best moment, but there there were reasons for it. You know what I mean? And I know that a lot of it was I, I don't disbelieve what I was saying, but there was so much pent up frustration about this whole thing. Um, so, so I'm sure, I mean, you being on Reddit uh, would be a good thing because you're you're saying things that were reasonable. Uh, do do you feel that you you yeah, lost your reason at any point? Or no, you lost no, your... I no, I didn't. And in fact, every all the comments on Reddit were like excoriating this girl uh, and saying, you know, of course, the, of course, he went off on her. You know, good for him. Um, mm-hmm. But I still asked that it be taken down because the girl is somebody I know and I don't want her to be vilified, even though she perhaps deserves it. Um, but I don't I don't I, I don't want you know what I mean? Like I said what I had to say. I don't need somebody getting fucking hate mail or death threats. Not that that would happen. It might, though, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. My mom is 87. Uh, I, I am her primary caregiver. She always says, don't say caretaker. I'm still alive. <laughs> well, caretakers who mows your lawn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But people often say caretaker. Anyway, I'm, I'm her primary caregiver. Uh, I mean, I do everything other than my sister, Nancy, who comes in and does help her with bathing and helps her with the bills, you know, just going through them and stuff like that. Cause I'm just terrible with that kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, banking and stuff. I just suck at it. <laughs> I just suck. Uh, I have like the same savings that I had when I was nine. It's or less. I don't know. It's not pretty. <laughs> um, but uh, but um, I get furious about these joggers that aren't wearing masks. They piss me off oh, yeah. so much, and they're fucking ten foot fucking slipstream of fucking Rona spew. I well, saw a site I, on Facebook today that said that um, people are going to throw eggs on them because they care about the elderly in their neighborhood. I don't know which neighborhood it was from, but it was a good sign. I will say about that, that though, is, is that is that the the slipstream theory is also in under in question. There's there's not a lot of evidence to support the slipstream theory, but still, okay. but they still but, should be wearing masks regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when they have passed me, it has been less than six feet. They come out of fucking nowhere like fast fucking zombies. Yeah, that's what yeah. that's what joggers are to me. They're the fast zombies. They're, they're the they're, the people that freak me out the most are the people that walk really slowly 
yeah. <laughs> and the fucking fast zombie, fast zombie, the, the the joggers. I don't know why I'm freaked out by people who move very slowly. I don't know why. Maybe because it reminds me of the original Night of the Living Dead, where the zombies did move really slowly. Oh, well, I don't know. Well, but you also grew up in New York City, and you know the people and people don't people who are native here or have lived here for a long time do not walk slowly. We walk like we have somewhere to go because we do, you know, mm-hmm. I hate the fucking moziers, um, especially ones that walk, <laughs> you know, four abreast on a sidewalk and you can't fucking pass them. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. Moziers we judge people. Te- moziers do tend to go in herds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> but, you know, on that, on that note, I mean, one of the things I did, you know, I, that I did this week because speaking of all the health stuff, I was like, I have to just start. I have to at least walk every day. You know, I have to just go out, put my mask on, go out. And so one one of the things I've been doing, which I realized I had, I don't do very much in New York, is I'm walking with no other reason but to be walking. You know, I'm glad that you are. Yeah, and it's it's actually cool. <laughs> it's good. Mm-hmm. I should do this more often. You know, and I'll put on a different soundtrack. I mean, it could be classical music, it could be REM, it could be whatever. You know, and I'll let that be the soundtrack for my walk. And uh, and then the all the masks and the scarcity of people adds just the right kind of dystopian edge to it. You know, to make it <laughs> right. I like that you listen to an album from start to finish instead of just sort of like making a playlist. I feel like that's sort of a lost thing that we. Oh, do. that totally is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's meant to. It's designed to be listened to, like like as a soundtrack to while walking around in your life, you know, it's not designed to be. Well, right. But also, especially when you're listening to classical, I mean, you don't really listen to just random tracks from classical. I mean, there are, there are some you might, but you know, in general, you want to listen to more of a whole. Yeah. What's, what's the uh, safety level in your neighborhood, Tom? What do you mean the safety level? (laughs) Like, do you feel safe when you're walking around or are there fucking I'll get to you, Lucas, because I know what you're <laughs> uh, Or are there, like, whack-ass sketch people around that you have to worry about? I, you know, I've never really felt ever danger in my in my neighborhood. Really, in, even in the dangerous neighborhoods that I've lived in, because I'm big, you know? You are, that's true. You know, and people people don't bother me. Um and the the few times I have a I have a police scanner app on my on my uh, self on my phone, so the very the few times that I have felt in danger, I've just turned it on so people can hear police radio <laughs> coming out of my, <laughs> coming out of my jacket. That's a great idea. <laughs> so great I've idea. only done that twice though, but yeah, and that's and that's usually when people are actively following me and or threatening me. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Lucas, sketch-ass people have taken over your neighborhood. Well, they're not. I wouldn't say they're sketchy. They're just um, like homeless and angry because a lot of they're saying a lot of them have the same story that they were kicked out of the shelter at, when COVID happened because I think they had to put more high-risk like cases in the shelter, and so they had to take some of like the people my age just kind of out. 
And they also didn't have enough food to feed everybody. So they were turning people away for food. And so they started getting very angry. The kid, you know, they were just very angry. And so they kind of were running the streets um, and like coming up, scaring people, trying to get money, like uh, the scare tactic. Um, I feel like they don't fuck with me a lot because I don't know why, but. Because you know how to look crazy. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I, when I have enough money, I do give them a little bit too, you know, but um, when I, when the government wasn't paying me, I couldn't give them anything. I didn't have, I didn't even have enough money to pay for myself. So. Yeah. You know, Um, speak, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, that was basically the, the government took a really like he he thinks Cuomo's a hero, but the thing is he you know Cuomo did not really protect people who need him. Well, most. I was that that's just exactly what I was going to bring up actually. You know, because I saw I saw him I can't, I think it was this morning the days blend together, but it was either today or yesterday, um, and he was talking about how they you know they're disinfecting the trains um, and the buses overnight. So, you know, he's like, we have to remove all the homeless people. And he's like, and actually, this is really good for the homeless because, you know, the homeless shouldn't be living on on trains and buses. They shouldn't be sleeping there. And I'm going like, it's a lot fucking safer probably than the shelters right now if they can even get into a shelter. And he, he, of course, he didn't bother to mention where he's putting them, what they're doing with them. And he's like, this gives transit workers a chance to engage with the homeless people. And it's like, yeah. uh, And and what? (laughs) <laughs> you know, Housing Works spoke out about what you're talking about, and they Housing Works said that like um, there's a chance um, that night could have killed like a large percentage of the homeless people, and they didn't offer any sh- like tents or anything. They they offered no shelter. It was a cold night. Yeah. Um, it was a very um, you know it, it, well, it exposed it, them and also exposed us to right like them more you know which is something that we should also consider it's exposing the like grandmother who's going out to the store at 6 a.m trying to beat the crowds but then there's homeless people all over the street what about all the old people who are in the east village because i'm exposed to all these homeless people which is fine i'm not getting sick but like some of them seem really sick so i think some of the homeless people in my neighborhood are infected and the, the thing is is like the, the old women aren't allowed to, aren't able to be six feet from them and it's not fair to yeah, them. Yeah. And I think a lot there's there a lot of neighborhoods that have this problem are going to see a higher rate of um, death, which is what's happening. Like, uh, uh, a lot it's of exactly black, black right. neighborhoods. Yeah, it's exactly what's happening. And you know, I mean, I just thought it was so. I mean, for him to say that and then not follow up with like, well, you know, and we're putting them in, you know, one of the thousands of empty hotels in the, you know what I mean? That, that like all these resources that we have for them and you know, we're yeah. not using them. We're, you know, we're not using them to help anybody. And we're bailing out those hotels. Part of the bailout yeah. could be that they have to let totally. uh, a, a first uh, like responder who has a sick kid stay in the hotel because yeah. like this, the kid, the kid can't like, why are we sacrificing that kid when we're not letting that one? I know we can't let every first responder stay in the hotel, but with some like a kid who is immune to deficiency is like right. already like a problematic we should certainly be able to pay for that we are actually sacrificing people and individuals by having protocol and and he doesn't care at all and he he doesn't care about the mentally ill they brought that up and he said everybody can just deal and they said what about the suicides and he was like oh, you know the money's coming it's like about the he, he knows like we're trying to say 
like this is going to cause suicides. Not having enough money to eat causes suicide because it's like right. men, uh, especially men, but also women, but especially men feel this this like devotion to care for their family and when that's taken away from them their ability to do that that does create suicide that does like cause death i agree with everything that both of you are saying but i am also totally out of the closet as a complete cuomosexual i love both him and chris cuomo you know i i fell asleep to ted bundy i I think you're sexually attracted to him oh well yeah i am but i'm sexually attracted to ted bundy but you know yeah, I mean, I, I I was I was all on board with Cuomo when he started these press conferences, and you know, I mean, because he was such a contrast to what was coming out of the White House. Yes. Um, but at this, you know, the more I really started to listen to him, the more I was like, yeah, you're actually kind of full of shit. You know, I mean, he says a lot of nice things that people want to hear. You know, like you can't put a price on human life, which is a l- lovely thing to say. But it's just it's patently untrue. We put a price on human life all the time, you know. Um, it, it's it's our our economy. You know, everybody. Every you know, when we go to war, we put a price on human life. Like we, we you know, everything that we do. You know, we could we could lower the speed limit to thirty five miles an hour. That would save hundreds of lives, thousands of lives. But business would be affected, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So don't tell me you can't put a price on human life because our whole fucking system is based on that. You know, Um, I don't know if it's based on it, but it's a it's a part of it. You know, there's always a calculation, and so it just to me sounds like a platitude. It sounds like you know nothing. Like you're just trying to make me feel better. I don't want to feel better. I want to know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, yes. And I think um, that- what's going on is he cut twenty billion dollars in public services in April. That's what's going on. He cuts from the schools, he cut from Medicaid and and um Med- Medicare. Um he cut from um what else did he cut from? Hold on. Healthcare just in general and and all social services. Twenty twenty. Yeah. You're listening to Art Star Scene Radio <laughs> on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, I, I also, I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, I also see a person who, you know, he, he said, like, when you go to the doctor, the first thing the doctor says, do you, want, do you want to know what my opinion is? And he goes, no, I want to know what the facts are, and then I want to know what your opinion is. And that's, and that's the kind of approach that he's, been given, that he's been doing when he's been addressing uh, during, during his addresses. He gives us the facts. And he gives us opinions, and then he takes questions. He takes hard questions, like the kind of questions that you're answering. And He's a great speaker. He, that's what you're saying. He's a great speaker. That's not what I'm saying. That is also true. <laughs> and I like the barbell nipple things that he has. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, Nipplegate. <laughs> Nipplegate. You know what? The, you know, little thing. You know what I, you know what I, 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 or what I heard that that actually was is that he tapes his nipples uh, because for when he jogs, so that they. Don't, <laughs> he, he probably has really erect nipples, so he tapes them to try to like make them less. Some men just have really erect nipples. That's true. My nipples he's are probably hard. he's probably embarrassed embarrassed because he, he's like not supposed to be sexual. Well, there's a thing called an undershirt. <laughs> you know, you know. 
<laughs> uh, Tom, do you have the copy to read? Because uh, oh shit, yeah, you know what I do yeah, actually. I'd like us to do that. I usually do that mid-show so it doesn't get lost. Uh, the uh, the fundraising, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, friends. COVID-19 is disrupting everyone's lives right now, and RARFB is no exception whatsoever. Um, we want you to know that, uh, as you can see, as you can hear from us all you know, broadcasting live from our homes today, we have made every effort to ensure the health and well-being of our hosts, our staff, and our community at large. Uh, we have closed both of our studios and canceled live events, but our hosts are still continuing to do their best, like us, uh, bringing new original programming by broadcasting live and pre-recording from their home studios or by selecting the best rebroadcasts of their past shows. Um, and I want to really stress this next part because our five-year anniversary is coming up on Wednesday. And uh, our Drive to Five campaign, which started in December, has completely stalled out um, because people are freaked out about money. Um, and But... We want you to know that most of our revenue streams have gone away, like our podcast studio, and we do really, really need your help. Um, and I can give you a little inside baseball on this, too, is that at the last board meeting, um, the board treasurer told us that with what we have now, we're good to November, and that's it. Um, so, you know, unless things start picking up again, which I am not 100% confident that they will. Um so if you can give to Radio Free Brooklyn, we know that you're hurting too, uh, or that you may be, or that other small businesses are. But if you can afford a small donation, it goes a really long way towards helping us stay on the air. And there are three ways you can help. You can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Um, and uh, there you're going to find some great t-shirts, mugs, other kinds of swag that we'd like to send your way to say thanks. Um, you can also text a donation at to RFB Give Five. That's the number five. RFB Give Five, uh, right on your mobile phone to four four three two one. That only takes a moment, and you're able to use like your Google Pay or your Apple Pay um, and lickety split. You've given to Radio Free Brooklyn, and you're a better person. Um, and finally, if you shop on Amazon um, and you really can't afford to to give any um, you know hard cash right now, you can go to Amazon.com/smile and register Radio Free Brooklyn as the nonprofit you want to support. And when you do that, a percentage of your, uh, of your sales, of your purchases uh, on Amazon goes to RFB and it doesn't cost you a thing. It's a very, very tiny percentage, but it does, uh, it does add up. And, and it doesn't cost you anything. And it doesn't cost you a dime. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, no do donation is too big, none too small. Whatever you can afford, it makes a huge difference. We want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, just for listening. But if you can give a little something, even better. And we wish all of you health, happiness, and um, future prosperity as we weather this shitstorm together. This is the part of the show where I would be asking for sponsors, but I don't do that anymore. Uh, maybe in the future I will, because there are simply more people and more organ. There, there are people that need it more than I do. I'm doing fine. Uh, I, I don't need any sponsors for this show. I'm not giving up a lot. I never had many sponsors. Any any time I did have a sponsor, they wanted to be anonymous. <laughs> 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 Uh, 
they didn't want to have anything to do with the show. Or they didn't want to have their names associated with the show. But I thank those people for their past support. And so what I'd like you to do, uh, maybe you used to go to a strip club. Maybe you used to uh, hire a sex worker. These folks are really, really having a hard time. Find a way to give to your strip club, give to your sex worker. Um, and also... Uh, Tom's Brooklyn, just down the street from uh, Radio Free Brooklyn, has a fund for the girls. What, what, also, what is the name of the organization? Pumps Brooklyn. It's, oh, it's, pumps. Um, oh, pumps. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I worked there for many years, and they have a fund for the um, girls, and they're, they're, those girls are very like very active in the community, the arts community, and would you know be a great way to donate. Um, a lot of the bars, you know, are donate doing funds for themselves, and very few I've seen are doing funds for their workers. So I really want to commend you know Andy, who's the owner there, for doing that. That's terrific. Yeah. That's but great. but my, my, my first choice, if you were thinking of sponsoring, my first choice is uh, is to support the station. I love doing this show. I think it's a the Radio Free Brooklyn is a great community. Tom and Rob and everybody involved has been doing a, just a great job from the beginning and even more so now keeping us on the air. Um, people turn to radio in times of crisis more than almost any other uh uh, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, well, we actually had more listen listeners, more unique listeners last month in April than any other month in our five year history. Okay, yeah, I'm not surprised. And I was t I was telling Lucas about this um, that that yeah, listenership for radio goes up. I remember um, during Hurricane Sandy, I was listening to Ten Ten Winds all the time. Ten oh, yeah. Ten Winds all the time. Now, granted, I couldn't get television at the time. I everything was out i had just a radio powered uh a, a like battery an, powered an radio radio yeah um but i continued to listen to it even when the even when the power came back on because i was reminded that radio really does have a lot of integrity a lot of integrity and you can listen to it in bed I mean, yep. you, you can watch yep. TV in bed too, but like, if you're just, you know, if you don't want to look at something, you know what I mean? If you're just like I do when I go to sleep, I just kind of like lie on my bed for like an hour until I fall asleep and radio is great for that. Yes, it is. I, I was telling you, I mentioned this. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I should, I should uh, be plugging radio free Brooklyn as a way to get to sleep. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially not our show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you listen I guess to, we could. You listen to this show in bed for totally different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a couple that um I have to I I've mentioned them a couple of times. I have to see if I can say their names, but um they said well, we we couldn't hear. We didn't listen to the end of your show because we got really hot and we had to. We had to, we had to have really? Sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we get into some stuff often that is very, very sexual in nature. Yes, I know. Um, I think you know it's it can be helpful though to you know provide a perspective of a sex life that is you know different than most people. You know. And speaking of, that's uh, <laughs> me to put this in in the notes. The one thrust guy. One thrust guy, the military guy. Oh yeah, one time this guy—he's like the strongest, like big gym military guy that I know—and he was like 
oh, when I came out, he was like, oh, you know, I'd like you to fuck me. And I was like, okay. Um, With a strap on. So I fucked him. He gave me one thrust. Like, I, like, he let me try her like slowly at first. He, I, he gave me one thrust, and then he was like, um, "You're you're too crazy. You're done. We're done here." I'm never doing this again. <laughs> what? <laughs> you couldn't handle it. You He's like the had, biggest. He was see, like, he was like, "You're too crazy." He was like, "I've never had something so crazy happen to me." I mean, but one but, thrust. I mean, you but, couldn't yeah. have said that before you put it in. I mean, you know. No, it just I think that he the, like I think he's had people fuck him up in the ass before. I think my one thrust was just like he told me to give it to him as hard as I could. I think he just didn't know it was gonna be crazy. And Lucas like, is used to me. And I'm used uh, to he's yeah. just a psychotic. He can take so much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're like you're like, I've only been friends with him forever. Yeah. Not weird at all. <laughs> How long have you guys been friends? Oh goodness. Uh like twenty three years. Oh wow, that's so nice. That's that's such nice. Like, yeah, I have some friends that I like met at like eighteen now, and so I, I like really value having that. I remember the first time I met Face Faceboy, and Faceboy doesn't remember, but it was um, I came to New. I was actually visiting New York and from Chicago because I was dating a girl here, which is eventually why I moved back. But uh, I asked this guy who, or I asked a bunch of people. Uh, where should I go in New York? I hadn't been back in a while now. Like, tell me some cool places to go. And this one guy who I was not friends with, who was just this annoying fuck, didn't like him at all. He was a stand-up, but, like, not funny. He was like, well, I'll tell you where not to go. Don't go to this place, Surf Reality. He's like, it's in this terrible part of town. It's like, you have to get buzzed in. And then you walk in, it's like a fucking, you know, full of marijuana smoke. And there's, like, people doing this, like, weird sex shit on the stage. And I was like... Are you kidding? Yes. I'm, I'm going there first. Like, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, and so I went. I went on a Sunday, and it was Faceboy's open mic. And I remember just just coming up uh, to the top of the stairs, and Faceboy was there, you know, taking them, you know, three dollars. And uh, and he said, "Oh, hello. I don't think I've seen you around here before. Like, what's your name? I'm Faceboy." And I was like. He's like, this is like the nicest person I've ever met, <laughs> you know, like after this guy had tried to scare me out of going to surf reality. And it was just I went in and it was such a f- wonderful community. Yeah, I, I liked, you know, it was difficult. I didn't always work the door, but I liked um, this was before it got really out of hand. Is that right, Tom? That was, or was it already like sold out every Sunday? <laughs> well, well, well uh, it was pretty it was pretty packed. Okay. All right. Well, still, I liked, I liked when I was able to, when I was working the door and hosting, because when people would come in, yeah, I I really wanted for them to have a good experience from the moment they walked into the door to the extent possible until the moment they left and maybe even take some of that spirit with them out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it worked because, you know, I came, I moved back to New York shortly after that and, uh, you know, for Surf Reality was one of the first places I went back to, you know, because I was like, this is a really cool, you know, this underground creative community. And that was what I wanted. That's what I wanted from New York when I moved back. Um, I but- fangirled over it in college. Oh, really? um, he studied and- up in college. <laughs> and my wife at the time was when I started burlesque, Like I was very good about like um, talking to producers. Um, and but like. 
she told me I had to go up and meet um, Francis because I had to be in Face Boys Follies. And I, she was like, it's where all the cool people you have to be. You have to be in it. And I was like, I just I could never talk to him. He's too cool. I'm the biggest fucking name. I'm like so actually not cool when you get to know me. Uh, so little, just a little more history, and then Tom went on to produce. Um, I wasn't. I say it was the most successful variety show, Grindhouse. Grindhouse or, or Go Go, so, yeah. Well, it was uh, it was Grindhouse before it was at Surf, but then it was Grindhouse a Go Go. Grindhouse a Go Go that sold out every. Was that Friday and Saturday? Not every week. No, it was. It started on Friday at midnight, and then we moved it to Saturday at midnight. So, that sold out every week. It sold and, out every week. There were sometimes lines around the block for that. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but that was like. But but the first show had sixteen people in the audience. You know, we grew we grew that show. Okay, I remember. I remember there. there I was wish you show. would do it again. Oh God! Sometimes you. I don't know why you won't do it again. I feel like I missed all the fun. Because now it'd be ger- uh, geriatric a go go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and it would just true. be a little embarrassing. I think. I mean, it was it was not. No, but a- when he, but who he has on the show here, like on the Art Star scene um, radio show, is like pretty much all my age. He he's pretty connected to the youth. Yeah, I'm pretty connected to the youth. That's true. Y- you're youthful. <laughs> I mean, but it was really Grindhouse a Go-Go was really a special combination of special people, really talented people that, yeah. that you couldn't you couldn't recreate it because you can't get those individuals back together again. Back together. Right. I see. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hank Flynn, you can't get him. No. I mean, and John, Johnny McGovern and Johnny McGovern, Purple Organ. But, but why can't you do like at least the arts, the 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 um the like any of the events why can't you do the um, it was it was a time it was it had to do with an era it had to do with the people it had to do with how it how it was grown like a lot of people open mic is needed in this time where we are censored in everything we say yeah but let me let me first answer that question a lot of the people in grindhouse were people that that started developing in my open mic so we're talking about we're seeing performers develop for a year or even more and then and then we're getting to know them as friends and as people. Well, and th- what and I'm that- saying is, why don't you start with an open mic? Not, not why do you start with, so why don't you have Grindhouse? I'm saying, why don't you have an open mic again? Because I don't want to do something at 55 that I was doing when I was 29. I want to do something else. Oh, but I missed all the fun. <laughs> <laughs> do, it, do it for Lucas. I mean, an- another, another part of that whole era was that there was um, a lot of the performances were very, uh, were very angry that was fueled by this rage uh, against Giuliani. Yes. You know, and I think that could go ahead. Um, come about again. I think my generation is very right now. I mean, we graduated like college in 2009 and now we're, this is happening again. Everyone I know is very mad. Yeah. I think you could get good art. Well, and but then you should start one. Seriously. I mean, there you, go. you know, why not? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 right. right. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it would be, I mean, and, and I would love to come to it. So let me know when it's happening. But I, I you know, but, but I, but my, I, I have done that, you know, and I'm doing other stuff, other stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have moved on from those days. And the next thing I want to do when my caregiving job is finished, which hopefully isn't for quite a while, I want to get back into acting. I want to do film. I want to do television. Uh, And that's one of the other reasons why I've been exercising so much. Uh, 
you know, I, in April of last year, when I saw Endgame become the highest grossing film of all time, and then I did a little research and I saw that Robert is the star of four out of ten of the highest grossing films of all time. Uh, I started thinking about all the work that he's put into not just not just studying acting, but also into his body. You know, he's he's done. It's just it's just ninety percent of what he does, if not more, is not in front of the camera. It's it's off screen. It's preparation. It's sure. Work, 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 work. Now, uh, and. And and that was another thing that inspired me to to say you know if I want to if I want to be in front of a camera, what do I want to put in front of that camera? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean you know I've I've always kind of said after I I pretty much stopped acting in the nineties um, that you know it's something I might want to get back to when I'm like in my fifties you know and there's more of a you know I always felt like older kind of character people. Um, there was more demand, you know, for, Mm -hmm. for, for that and, and fewer and less competition. Uh, but unfortunately I haven't aged well. Well, unfortunately I have aged well and I don't look, I don't look like a, you know, I don't even, I don't look like an old guy. I don't think, um, you you both look very young. You can play someone in their forties. Yeah, I yeah, I could. But the other thing too now and and I and I'm certainly not bemoaning this. So don't take this the wrong way, but it's it's really it's much harder for, you know, less known white actors now to get work. Um, you know, and that's as it should be, right? So there are, there are far more opportunities, much better ap- opportunities for, you know, for Asians and people of color um you know, stuff like that. And I, again, I do not, I don't begrudge them that at all, but I think that there is um, a lot fewer opportunities for, you know, old white guys like me. And that's fine. Yeah. Well, I'm friends with Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Well, I know. So if he can pull a string for you, that's great, you know, but. And and that, and that's how I got into the Screen Actors Guild in the first place was, was from his help. And I'm not beyond asking for his help again. Like, right. My mother passes away and he's like, what can I do? I'm going to tell him you you can help me get (laughs) some fucking movies. Yeah. (laughs) You can be like, I've been taking care of my mom this whole time. Yeah. I I deserve a payout. And he did the same thing. He took care of his mom. I don't know if you knew this, but. uh, And he also knows your mom and loves your mom. Yeah. So he, he, he will take like, like he will value that you took care of her because your mom is great. She's the best person ever. That's my party friend. No, but we're not going to, I'm going to get sober starting Monday for a while. So no partying, but she always gets mad when I don't party with her. She doesn't understand. Like have a drink. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just not doing that for right now. And like all six, the whole six months, she's like, I don't, I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) That is, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. (laughs) So your your mom's still drinking face. That's good. But but she only has uh, one or two. Okay. All right. And and yeah, she'll have one glass of wine with dinner and then a nightcap and sometimes not a nightcap at night. Okay. All right. So, yeah, yeah, she's and, and her health is fine. All of her labs are great. She's doing great. Yeah, I was. I I got her to her doctor late February, 
before anyone else was like thinking about this stuff because she's 87. I have to think about this stuff. Sure. Um, and, and she got, and, and she, everything was fine. Um, and then I, the next week I took myself to the doctor, got all my lab work done. I got my cat to the vet, uh, also in late February, um, before anyone was saying you, you need to do this kind of stuff. Um, just cause I don't know, just cause I think being taking care of her has changed the way I think. It, it's like if there's a slight warning, if there's a maybe something, take action now. And it's helped. I mean, it's we're all doing well. There's only three minutes left to the show, so I want to get the thank yous in there. Thank you so much, Tom. I really appreciate you doing this. I love doing live radio. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and uh, thank you, Lucas. I love you so much. I miss you so, so, so much. But uh, thank you for understanding the sacrifice that we need to make to not be together and not have sex. You always have, I thought you were going to say a nice message about your mom and you turned it into a comment about sex. Always. Shame. Thank you, listeners. <laughs> 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 really appreciate that there are actually people who are who are interested in what we're saying and I hope we're saying interesting things. We will be back again next week. I still don't know exactly what's going to be going on, but uh but we will be here in some form next week. Um and uh yeah. Oh, and yeah, just uh, I'm thinking about people who have stockpiled. If if you've stockpiled a bunch of stuff, we are past the apex. You don't need 400 cans of tuna. You don't need it. Donate it. But there are people that do. You don't need 300 rolls of toilet paper. But there are people who do. We're past the apex here in New York. Uh, you can you can go to the store and you can get stuff. It's a pain in the ass. There are people that are going to be too goddamn close to you. <laughs> But we can get stuff. You can get things. There are so many people that can't. So please, uh, please, please, please help them out. Agree. And um, Tom, if you could do my outro music, which is the same as my intro music. Um, oh, that's uh, sure. That's, oh, if okay. not, that's cool. I no, mean, no, I, no, I, no, no, no. I can, I can do it. Uh, just hem and haw for a minute. All right. Okay. So I'm going to play you out. And uh, you ready? Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hem and haw. I forgot to do one thing. Hem haw. Hem. Okay. Uh, okay. I think it's good. All right. Bye. Bye.